Right, lads. Now, I know there's not a faint heart among you. And I know you're as anxious as I am to get into close action. But we must bring him right up beside us before we spring this trap. That will test our nerve. And discipline will count just as much as courage. The Acheron is a tough nut to crack. More than twice our guns, more than twice our numbers. And they will sell their lives dearly. They mean to take us as a prize. <laughs> and we are worth more to them undamaged. Their greed will be their downfall. England is under threat of invasion. And though we be on the far side of the world, this ship is our home. This ship is England. So it's every hand to his rope or gun, quicks the word and sharps the action. After all, surprise is on our side. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Stuff We've Seen. This is your fun-loving, movie-loving host, Jim. And with me is Teal. Now, Teal, correct me if I'm wrong. I I heard a rumor that uh, you and the fam are moving. (laughs) Heard you're moving off to Wisconsin where where the new (laughs) slogan is, freedom is just another word for nothing left to lose except your life. Except your life. <laughs> but I'm bummed. I'm here all week. But if you if you don't have the freedom to, uh, you know, never mind. I can't. I can't. <laughs> uh, we're getting dumber by the day. It's just, I mean, it's just so funny. It's, it's just. In a sad way, by the way. It's just too sad is really what it comes down to. But, uh, yeah, so this is how that's headed. I mean, I, I feel like we're going to be, uh, we're going to be slugging it through the summer just in time for the fall to be a complete disaster with many cases, many deaths. Yep. Uh, so, you know, hopefully I get to go to the movies again before I, uh, I snuff it. Some people, I, I don't know what they're doing. I think in Texas, we talked about this last week, maybe, but. Uh, the theaters can be open, but only at 25%. And that also seems to be what the game plan is of what I'm hearing from all yeah. theaters are going to be. I don't know how that's going to work. And the question is, if I go to the theater, if I decide to go and say I bring my kid, yeah, do we get to sit next to each other? Yes. Okay, so we can, and then everybody else to sit apart. I just didn't know how that part worked. Yeah, it's... I don't know how it's going to work, and I don't know how any movie is going to make money off that. I don't know, but you know, I've been socially distancing in the theater for years. Like I'll move at least seven or eight times before the days of like assigned seating just because yeah. I didn't want to sit near anybody. <laughs> and I always get mad when there's like a theater that's only 25% full and, and, and people and they come and sit day. right next to you. Yeah. You know, social distancing in theaters would have worked great if they hadn't like reconverted all these theaters into like 50 seat <laughs> boxes. That's what's going to hurt them. If they had left yeah. the 400 seat theaters a- around, then they'd be fine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, do I? I don't know. Maybe they're going to charge more money. 
Yeah, good luck with that. I don't know. The whole thing, we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. But, uh, you know, I guess in Wisconsin, it's going to be 100% seating. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> a bunch of jerks. Anyways, uh, did you see anything of note in the past week? Not that I want to talk about. Okay, we're going to save that. Um, <laughs> I, I have a quick, I'm going to do, do these really quick because we have a lot yeah. to get to, is a new TV show shout out. It's on Netflix and it's a comedy. It's like a, you know, like a half an hour comedy. Yeah. Uh, just 10 episodes, so you can get through it quick. I'm halfway through, is Never Have I Ever. You heard of this thing? Never heard of it. It's from creator uh, Mindy Colling. You know, she was in oh, the yeah, office yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And it is a comedy like set in sort of high school, and there's a girl who is Indian. Her heritage is from India, and she has a mom, and her, her father had passed away. That's part of the setup for the, the show. Setup, yeah. Yeah, and, and he passed away while she was in a concert performance at her school you know band oh wow okay and then she gets a psychological condition where she is paralyzed from the waist down for the rest of that school year uh, she, wow not, okay nothing wrong with her but I guess it's sort of like in that killing of a sacred deer where the kids right you know. right so uh, and again this is all the setup so now she starts to walk again and so it's a new school year but she has to have that stigma of that she goes to see a psychiatrist and I guarantee you this is a comedy <laughs> okay yeah I'm waiting for the funny part well I'm not gonna tell you all the funny part but she <laughs> so she is a sassy sassy hilarious character um, and she's trying to like navigate the the teenage waters of like, you know, sexuality, trying to like, you know, get the hottest guy in school to right. notice her and also to kind of become popular. But she's really, really funny. And the whole thing is narrated by John McEnroe. What? Yeah. he's He, he does color commentary for the show and he's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> the most bizarre thing ever. It is ever. so funny because it doesn't matter. Like what he's, it's it, he has no business being part of like this coming of age story, <laughs> and that's what makes it so funny. And it's hilarious. I mean, and just there's like there's a moment that halfway through, I went from liking the show to loving it, where this other character, which is sort of her like you know scholastic nemesis, and clearly right. they're gonna you know they, clearly they must secretly like each other. He tells her, you know. You're you're really difficult. And she says, what? I'm a goddamn delight. <laughs> She's like, I should punch you in the Adam's apple just for saying that. <laughs> it's like stuff like that. that just, it reminds me of the way teenagers really talk. Right, so, right. It turns out we're a pretty good team for two people who hate each other. I don't hate you. I just think you're pretentious and unlikable. How am I unlikable? My dad drives a Porsche Cayenne. Right there. That was unlikable. All right, but you have someone of a... Difficult personality as well. Who? Me? I'm a goddamn delight. I should punch you in the Adam's apple for saying that. Oh, well, I stand corrected. Anyway, you got to check this show out. Okay. It's funny. Maybe your your oldest daughter would like yeah, it. Yeah, that's know? what I was just thinking. She might be. We're, we're uh, you know, I've been binge watching with her a, a show, so, we're, and we're almost at the end of it. Can you say it? <laughs> I'm just always curious. Uh, I, I've told you before. Which one? Uh, the 100. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think my wife watched that for a time. I don't know if she ever finished it, but, uh. It, it's, it's pretty fun. You know, it's a group of teenagers basically at the end of the world trying to survive. Anyways. Yeah. I think never have I other, that might be a great show for her to okay. watch. Um, I'll check it out. And then I ended up catching up one other thing that it's sort of in that weird 
Amazon Prime Discovery. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I was intrigued. You know, they offer up, I guess, on their algorithm stuff for, for me and my weird tastes. Right. It's a thing it said, The Beaver Trilogy Part 4. Okay. Have you ever oh, heard of this? No. Okay. It's directed by a guy named Brad Besser from Utah, and it's about an obscure, like, C-movie uh, talent director named Trent Harris. And okay. this guy was a character. They all live in Utah, right? And it's funny because the documentary even has a clip from Jared Hess, the guy who oh, did yeah. Napoleon Dynamite. So there's this whole weird, like, uh, kind of cult of film nerds in Utah, and they know about all of these obscure things. Right. So this guy, Trent Harris, in the late 70s, he worked for a TV station. And I guess in, in Mormon lore, in Salt Lake City, there was this one news station that was owned by sort of wacky sort of hippie liberals. Uh -huh. And they just put out all sorts of weird content on their station. <laughs> and anything could go, and it fit in well with this guy, Trent Harris. And he did all these pieces. Well, he discovered this totally wacky guy called Groovin' Gary. And <laughs> he, this guy had this, like, cool, like, 70s, you know, Wooderson-type car. And he right. was kind of like a Utah version of Wooderson from... Uh, Dazed and confused. Like, Dazed and yeah. confused. So he's like yeah. a Utah dazed and confused guy, Grooving Gary, who was obsessed. And he had these, like, he's obsessed with two people, Farrah Fawcett and uh -huh. Olivia Newton-John. Of course, yeah. And, and he had their names, like, engraved on the car. And he was obsessed with them. So he started following this guy around, and he did, like, this sort of mini documentary on him. Uh-huh. Which kind of... Um, climaxed with this guy doing a performance of an Olivia Newton-John song in the studio, but dressed as Olivia Newton-John. Oh, wow. And somehow the performance came off really weird and creepy. Uh, somehow? Yeah, well, because it didn't go off as intended. I think he was, this guy was thinking it's just a homage and I just love it. And it just doesn't fly in, in Utah. Right. So then the guy, like, I don't know what happens. He kind of like disappears. And the director, Trent Harris, became obsessed with this story over the years. And there's some other stuff that I'm going to leave out that like made him. Right. So he remade this documentary as a movie two different times to tell the Groovin' Gary story. But <laughs> okay. here's the amazing thing. The guy had a certain look and you know what he looked like? He looked like the surfer version of Sean Penn. Okay. Okay. Yep. But here's what's amazing. So this guy, Trent Harris in 1979 or 80 decides to make this short movie of this Groovin' Gary guy. Yeah. He gets an unknown Sean Penn to what? play- Groovin' Gary. And this becomes the second film in the Beaver Utah trilogy. <laughs> the first one is this one about Groovin' Gary. Right. The second one is the fake movie about Groovin' Gary with Sean Penn. And then he does a further movie, the longest one yet, real big production. Also, another, it's the third movie in the trilogy <laughs> that has Crispin Glover in it playing the same character. Wow. And so then these became this weird cult trilogy that got like on VHS and then around certain circles in Utah <laughs> and in Utah video stores <laughs> because there were people would watch right. this thing and it became sort of a cult favorite. And it's a, like that Winnebago man kind of thing. Right, right, right. Where over time, people got invested in the whole Groovin' Gary uh, mystery. <laughs> 
Wow. And then, this is even crazier, he, this guy, Trent Harris, had a friendship with Crispin Glover. So they, <laughs> Crispin Glover had created this really whacked out character, which people may have seen on a 1987 David Letterman appearance. Oh, yeah. Which, yep. because he was promoting River's Edge, and that was one of the first times that I had actually tuned into David Letterman as a kid. Right. And after that, seeing this, I was like, I have to watch David Letterman every night because this is crazy. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that character was Crispin Glover convinced this guy, Trent Harris, to create a whole movie around that character. And the guy directed a film with Crispin Glover and Ed Hessman called uh-huh. Reuben and Ed. Okay. From 1991, which would have been completely forgotten uh, anyway, but it really got forgotten because it, the premiere of it in Hollywood happened to coincide with the LA riots. (laughs) Now this thing is like only about 80 minutes long, this documentary about this whole beaver trilogy, but I found it pretty fascinating. Um, (laughs) And you know, it kind of, it was it was also feels very much like the Winnebago Man, where then, uh, you know, it's just sort of trying to discover what happened to Groove and Gary and right. can they get him, you know, for this premiere and stuff. And like I said, I'm leaving a lot of things out, but I just thought it was kind of a fascinating little thing about a movie I did not know anything about. That is fascinating. Yeah. I, and uh, wow. Okay. Well, this is a, <laughs> a fascinating Hollywood story, this guy, Trent Harris. Yeah. Or not, uh, not Hollywood, but. <laughs> and he's made some other weird Hollywood. stuff, you know, uh, but you know, he's not a guy that was ever destined to make big box office films. And right, y- right. you, you get, the, it's a documentary really about this Trent Harris guy. And he is a real odd and interesting character himself. I will say. <laughs> yeah. It's available on Amazon prime. <laughs> okay. I will. I, you might I'm, like it. <laughs> I might like it. It sounds a little bit like, uh, I mean, completely different, but what was that one we watched about uh, the people making a film in Singapore? Oh, we, I don't think we ever talked about that, but Shirkers, no, we, right? Shirkers. Yeah. Shirkers. It, okay, so the yeah. guy the guy that sort of conned those girls, yeah. he reminds me a lot of Trent Harris. <laughs> okay, yes. right. These yes. kind of, yeah, these film hustlers trying to get a project going and- yeah not not being totally competent at doing it so i guess what i like when i see these documentaries i'm always very interested in there's of course the elite people that ever get a chance to make a film that gets seen in the theaters but there are tons of people out there that certainly tried to make a film or got a feature but that nobody knows about right you know one of one of those i'm gonna throw a little shout out there is our good friend bill from queens oh yeah so you don't even know he actually directed an entire feature film I didn't even know. Yeah. Um, I don't think most people know. I don't know if it's available anywhere, but it's sort of like when we had our friend Al uh, come and who's talked about the film festival. He directed a couple of films, but, you know, they hit some festivals and they just, they don't have any distribution. So you'd have to talk to him to personally get a copy to watch it. Okay. Interesting. I still have not seen Bill's whole film. And I think he actually, after this, and we'd have to maybe get him back on and this will be the subject. If we can ever get him with a good mic and and feed is I think (laughs) he went over and I don't know whether he was just helping or what, but he made some kind of film in Croatia, I think. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Bill has a very interesting story of the (laughs) nineties. Yeah. Oh yeah. I didn't even know he had directed a feature film. Yeah. He directed, it was something to do with Irish uh, gun running in, in New York And it featured, I want to say the actor's name was Ronan. It was Paul Ronan. But here it was when they made this film, Paul Ronan 
had a very young baby daughter before they moved back to Ireland, who became the very famous Saoirse Ronan. Oh. Yeah, so I believe Bill met her when she was just a newborn. When she was a baby. Yes. (laughs) Yes, Saoirse like inertia, yes. So wait, what happened to this film? It's just uh, on the shelf somewhere. I don't know. We'd have to, I really don't know. I don't think Bill was entirely um, happy about it, and I don't know what the deal was, but he got a whole feature film made. Very cool. Yeah. I had briefly was going to work on it in like uh, 94 and it was really something where I don't think he had all the financing together. We kind of got there and it just, there was like one disaster after another when it first was trying to start up like the first couple of days, it was just a total train wreck. And then I think for the good of the film, it all shut down. Okay. And then he regrouped and got financing and he got the whole film, but I wasn't involved. It was, had to have been maybe 96 that he directed okay. it. Yeah. So anyways, uh, it, it just, I'm like I'm saying, there's a lot of stories out there about people who like lived out their dreams, yeah. made these films, and sometimes like this Trent Harris and his Beaver trilogy, people get to see them and then become kind of like a, a hidden cult thing. And right. I think the only one that ever broke out into like real fame would be the Tommy Wiseau in the movie The Room there. Right, and that... <laughs> have you ever seen it? I have never seen The Room. I have. I couldn't watch the whole thing. Oh, you tried? I tried. It's pretty I watched, bad, right? I, 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 yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess I understand, I, I guess I get the joke of why people find it so funny, but to me it was just torturous. Well, do you think you have to see it with a big crowd? Yeah, I could see, I could see that. I mean, it is, it, it, it's, if you're in the right frame of mind, it's so bad that it's funny kind of thing, but I was watching it alone. And, oh, yeah. I don't think you see a film like that by yourself. <laughs> and I just, I was like, this is it's just unbearable. It's just torturous. Well, I do want to see it with a crowd of some sort, or yeah. just even a few friends. But, uh, you know, so at some point I would like to see Tommy Wiseau's room because I'm curious. And there's also that movie, American Movie. Remember that? Coven, because they didn't know how to say coven, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen that in years. But yeah, that was another one where exactly they had their local premiere. And it's, it's one thing to be able to get to make a film. But then there's that thing where there are people that just don't have the skills, right? To make right. a movie, they just have the heart. And so the movie isn't very good. And then they don't have necessarily a career. But <laughs> that's the problem. That's, uh, yeah, and that, that guy, the coven, coven. i know it's so great covid so there are uh, i have talked to people who think that american movie is not real oh it's real oh i know it's real it's real because they actually had a premiere the the movie exists the one that they made actually exists it actually exists yeah i think it's only like 150 it's like an hour and 15 minutes or something it's really short it's 40 minutes oh that's that's as far i knew it was really short so it was never they didn't even get to make it as a feature it was always intended to be a short i think you know, you got, again, I watch I, this whole thing got started because of this guy in this Beaver trilogy. And this is a guy who really did have a lot of passion right. to make things. He definitely, whether or not he made commercial things is a different story. Right. Yeah. He, he made curiosities. So again, if you have the super passion, you're just going to go out and keep doing it until somebody like stops you. <laughs> but, well, basically, yeah. I mean, that's the Ed Wood model, right? Exactly. And that's where I, I guess I have this uh, sort of soft spot for these stories about these Ed Wood guys. And as a matter of fact, speaking of, and this is where the last note I'll make <laughs> is that Trent Harris, one of the films he made was he made Plan 10 from Outer Space because he felt that Plan 9 needed a sequel. <laughs> yeah, and we didn't we didn't rehearse that, but you, know, you, you mentioned it. Anyways, so we're going to talk about, I guess, good movies now. 
Well, yeah, some perhaps. Some. Yeah, we're going to talk about Academy Award nominees for Best Picture. There could be some terrible movies in there. And this is going to be from the year 2000 to 2009, so the first decade of the 2000s. If we get that far. I don't know how, I mean, at this point, 24 minutes in, I don't know how far <laughs> we're going to get. Um, a two-parter. Okay, but we're going to jump right in, and here's the thing. There's definitely some movies that I'll agree should have been nominated, um, there's going to be even maybe one or two that I'll say, yeah, I, it, I didn't mind it winning Best Picture. Right. Then there's going to be some real head scratchers. Uh-huh. And I'm going to also offer up some alternatives to what they chose that they could have chosen instead. Okay. Sometimes films, I think, hold up a lot better. And they've also gained a stronger reputation. And I bet a lot of these people who did the nominees now would never nominate these same movies. Right. And a little note here is that this is the decade during which I kind of gave up on the Oscars. I stopped watching them as much, stopped paying attention to them as much. I just, I, I was just kind of over it. And then I, I think we'll move through these. I say this every time. We're going to move through these pretty quick, I think. But, <laughs> no, but you're going to hear some of these choices and I can understand why you're going to give up. Okay, so in 2000, the winner for Best Picture that year, and it started a trend of films that didn't necessarily win Best Director. Um, I feel like in the last 20 years, we've had a trend where not every Best Picture wins Director. Still most of the time, but there's a lot of differences and uh, discrepancies. So the winner that year, and it's a little bit of a head scratcher still to this day for me, is uh, Gladiator. Major head scratcher for me. I I don't like that movie. I thought it was okay um, when I saw it that summer. Well, I, I, I should rephrase. I, I I don't like it because it's been hyped so much. Yeah, it's a weird thing. I, I saw it a opening weekend, and I saw it with my mom's boyfriend, and I didn't think I was dragging him to see it. But within like ten minutes of the movie. I don't. I think he secretly wanted to see some other stupid film. He just mm-hmm. decided he didn't like it, and he was he was rustling around, and he was just making it like kind of a bummer to watch mm-hmm. the movie. And he like just kind of got up and was like, "This is a terrible movie," and he walked out oh, while man. we're sitting there. And he went to go see something else. And now it really left a bad taste in my mouth yeah. for the whole film. Like you go to see a movie by yourself is one thing, but when you go to see it with someone else. And they walk out. Now you're left with this, uh. And so it was a hard movie to kind of enjoy fully because of that. Yeah. Um, I saw it again on like DVD. Some neighbors of my girlfriend and I were like, oh, we got Gladiator. And we're like, all right, we'll go watch it. I don't think she had seen it. And I liked it more. Yeah. But I always had some problems where I thought the CGI, which, you know. I hate the CGI in that. Yeah. I thought it was bad then, even though it was like, you know, look what we can do. Um, You know, we can make these backgrounds and we can make it darker because it's, that's how you do CGI. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But, and we'll put some birds flying over. And, uh. Also, the music, which is like a ripoff of uh, yes. many composers. So anyways, it's just a weird movie that I know the critics kind of liked it. It was a fun sword and sandals, but it was sort of like Braveheart in that, really? This is the movie that's going to win? Yeah. It, it, I think Braveheart's a really good example. Um, the movie's a crowd pleaser, but I have found that over the years that Gladiator is the favorite movie the number one favorite movie of a lot of young men I know. Hmm, yeah. And it's something, yeah, like... I wish we had the millennial on it because that's his generation, right? That's his generation, yeah. But it's considered like a classic by that 
generation. So I, and I, yeah, I just am not a big fan of the movie. Um, not to mention the fact that it gets lots of history wrong. Well, yeah, it's just a, I mean, it's, it's a fake history movie. Um, but I mean, it's no more, no more of a fake history than like say Ben-Hur. Right, right. Yeah, it's absolutely. Just, you, know, you have to look at these as just a story, but anytime you try to take real characters and put it into a, you know, like real people, but then. Exactly. Whereas that's what I kind of like about Tarantino. He says, yeah, this isn't going to be real at all. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no pretense of it being real. But Gladiator, I think, had some pretense. And I all, uh, uh, part of my issue with Gladiator is that it's just so incredibly male. Yeah. It's, it's you know. Made it's by just, the malest of male directors, Ridley Scott. Yes. I just, again, as an entertainment, I was okay. I was kind of surprised that it was as big a hit as it was. But I can see it as sort of a crowd-pleasing entertainment, just not best picture. I was really kind of shocked, frankly, when it started to be in the discussion for getting nominations. And, I mean, Russell Crowe, he had a a great run from, like, in the late 90s to, like, the early 2000s, where he had all these great performances. And he was great in The Insider the year before, But to me, that was not his best performance. And to get an Oscar for that, no. For Gladiator? Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. So anyways, it didn't get a best director win. We'll talk about that winner in a second. Thank goodness. Uh, but here, here's some of its competition that year. Uh-huh. And I would have to say, you know, say what you will about Gladiator, but it's certainly better than Chocolat. Oh, yeah. That's a, that, oh, man. <laughs> Which is a movie that at the time, I did see it and thought it was pretty good. It was a light, fluffy film, but. Well, there's, it, it, it's not terrible. It's just. Best picture. Yeah, that is really weak. That Well, it was another Harvey Weinstein coup. Yes, exactly. It was, it was a market. I remember the marketing at the time, actually, and how that, that movie was really being pushed to like an elderly audience. I mean, and again, you know, look, when people fall for a movie, they fall for a movie. That's great. But it's just, that's pretty lightweight for me. And it wasn't nominated for best director. So at least there was that. And then, but the the person who was nominated for director, and this was just a weird one because I didn't, I didn't think very many people saw the movie and I didn't Mm -hmm. think it was that big a hit. And I certainly didn't see that the direction was going to get noticed to that degree. But it was the first of several director nominations for this guy. So I guess the director's branch really loved the Daldry. Huh. Stephen Daldry for Billy Elliot. They, yeah, you're right. They did love that guy. The Daldry, man. Um, and I was like surprised because that movie, I think it came out like at art theaters in the summer. Right. I saw it at a free preview and I liked it, but I hadn't, I really wasn't thinking that strongly about the movie by the end of the year. I remember a lot of people talking about that movie. I've seen it since. I think it's a great movie. Um, but Yeah, my parents loved it. But so, you know, again, maybe it was like a twofer where people got to, they went in from one Oscar screen to Chocolat and then it does see Billy Elliot. <laughs> and they said, well, I love them both, but let's nominate Chocolat for Best Picture and Billy Elliot for Director. <laughs> now we're going to get into a movie that definitely that year was big sensation at the end of the year, certainly deserved the nomination. And if it had won Best Picture, I would certainly have liked it better than Gladiator was Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yes. Uh, I love that movie. I know you do. I've only seen it one time. What? Really? Yeah. Oh, I saw it like four times in the theater. Four times in the theater. Yes. Wow. Well, and it was one of those things where it was like, 
you know, I had a friend who wanted to see it. Oh, right, right. Yeah, there are movies like that. Remember where you get so excited about it that any excuse you can get to go back. Exactly. It's not. Yeah. And there were a lot of people who wanted to see it. And then, like, I got a free screening or something. So I went to that. And so I just ended up, yeah, seeing it uh, probably four times in the theater. And uh, and then I've seen it a couple times since. With I, your daughter, right? Yeah. I watched it with my daughter about two years ago. And she loved it. Uh, it was the first foreign language film she had seen. And she totally got sucked into it and totally fell for it and thought it was a great romance adventure yeah so i i really like that movie i think it's uh i think it's fantastic um so yeah so i there's there's the first of the three movies that we've talked about that i actually thought deserved to be nominated right it was in my top five um now this film i i respected more than i really liked and mm-hmm. i certainly didn't think it was the best picture it's just in my opinion i don't know what the big jazz was about it and i don't think that the lead performance was oscar worthy um right. either but this was the year of the Soderbergh, Aaron Brockovich. Right. Steven Soderbergh okay. pulled off what very few directors ever do, which is what have two movies yeah. up for best picture and director. So Steven Soderbergh gets for Aaron Brockovich, <laughs> um, which I mean, again, I thought it was a good movie. I didn't have a problem with it. I just didn't love it. I, I felt the same way. And I, I don't see quite how it ended up being considered as good great as it did at the time but uh, i really liked it when i saw it i thought i totally enjoyed it i got caught up in the story i liked the plot i liked i didn't like aaron eckhart i'm not a big aaron eckhart guy yeah i'm not either not against him but i'm not for him <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry Aaron. and you know albert finney's great in it. he's great uh, yes and uh, yeah and uh, there's nothing wrong with julia roberts performance she's she's as good as Julia Roberts has ever been. But yes. the, um, I mean, when we talk about someone who's a movie star, she's a movie star because yes. no matter how good she is in a role or whatever, she's Julia Roberts. She's always Julia Roberts. Yeah. It's a weird thing, but that's when you're, you know, your, your celebrity and status is so powerful that you just see them as that star. As that star and, and, and not as the character necessarily. And then yeah. Soderbergh even plays with that in uh, the second Oceans movie. And I thought that yes. was a horrible, yes. horrible decision. Yes. Anyways, the fifth nominee, which is the film that I would have personally chosen for best picture. I saw it again only a couple of years ago and I thought, ah, this is a pretty good movie, but it's not, it didn't wow me the way it did the first time with yeah. Steven Soderbergh for Traffic. And he won best director for Traffic that year. He won, yeah. And that movie did kind of wow me the first time I saw it. And you're right though. It doesn't really hold up that well. I mean, I, I thought it held it up fine. It just, it wasn't as exciting. Plus in between the two viewings I've seen of Traffic, I saw the original miniseries from yeah. England that it was based on, and it does follow that pretty well, except for the, the miniseries obviously is more, and it's a little bit more interesting. Right. So I think that diminished traffic for me. Well, I also think that the traffic style, mo- I, I think it was kind of an influential film. I would agree. I hadn't seen a film done that way before. Exactly. But I've seen it many times since. And and by Soderbergh since. Yes, many, many times since. And so it's, yeah, I think it was an influential style. And then, you know, a lot of TV shows even sort of took on that style. Again, it's always tough when you look back at influential movies to really put yourself in your brain space at the time that you saw them originally. Because I think that I actually picked Traffic as 
as my best pitcher of the year that year, but oh, I really, but okay. I wouldn't anymore. <laughs> um, it would still be in my top 10. So what would be your, so here are two movies that whether you like them or not, they're better than chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> and I liked them better than Gladiator, and I liked them better than Aaron Brockovich. They were in my top uh, five uh, for sure that uh-huh. year. And one of them, of course, the director's cut version is one of my favorites. Uh, the two, and one, and and this this movie here, they all thought was going to get nominated for Best Picture, but I think Chocolate took it. Space was uh, almost famous. Yeah, and I liked the director's cut. And I think if they had released the director's cut, that might have been the film that got nominated and then a film that everybody loved but it came out i think too late uh-huh. was oh brother where art thou yeah and th- that that movie has survived quite well oh yeah it's i mean it's a coen brother classic yeah but yeah I, I at the time i think a lot of people sometimes this happens with the coen brothers where the, people don't quite get it at first yeah they got it a little bit more then they, they did, did it first with Big Lebowski, yeah. but it still didn't latch on it. But it did. It launched a whole new way to look at George Clooney. Yes, it, it yes, absolutely, it did. Yep, it, that was really the movie that said he could be a movie star. Yeah, I uh, I remember seeing an interview with George Clooney a, a little bit before that, and he said he was talking about the Batman movie. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> And he said that after he did the Batman movie, he met with his accountant and his accountant (laughs) said, you never have to work again. And so Clooney at that point decided he was only going to do movies that he wanted to and he was interested in and he wasn't going to do, yeah, just your typical Hollywood leading man kind of stuff. And so he, of course, chose Oh Brother, Where Art Thou and, and turned in. A performance that is like Cary Grant on crack. He should have got nominated. See, this is what, when we look at like a, a, a light, frothy comedy like Chocolat versus yeah. a really interesting comedy like Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? That's the movie that I was I was most disappointed did not get yeah. nominees because I just thought that was a great film. I And I haven't gone back to that as many times as I have to other Coen Brothers films. Uh, but seeing that on the big screen was pretty magical because it also featured like breakthrough cinematography. Yes. That Roger Deakins did where he used computers to change the colors. Yes. It was it was one of the first movies that was entirely digitally color corrected. And it looked so fantastic. And actually, yeah. then you take that, though, and it's on celluloid printed and projected yes. on film. I remember watching this movie and I was so blown away by the look of it. Yeah. That I was just like, unbelievable. And the fact that he didn't win Best Cinematography that <laughs> <Yeah>. year <laughs> is insane. Um, and again, that's just one of the many Deacon's injustices. Yes. And now we're going to move on to 2001. Okay. And here's this is interesting because this is a year where 9 11 happened. We have a lot of tragedy. Yep. Um, I think that also affected the mood of people. As far as their choices, but the five movies nominated for best picture that year, I would have tossed all five of them in favor of other movies. Oh, fascinating. Okay. Let's hear what you got. And I've got a whole list of more than, I have a list of more than five that I would slot ahead of them. Wow. So I am going to give you the five and we can go the winner, best picture, best director, a beautiful mind, Ron Howard. Yeah. I didn't hate it watching it. I enjoyed it and respected it, but I've liked it a lot less over time. I hated it. I know you did. And part of the reason I hate it is because I had read the book a few years oh, earlier. Oh, okay. 
and the book is is just a story of the guy's life which was pretty fascinating but in the movie they decided to do this whole trick with him having characters in his head correct and i didn't like that and that trick is awful and was not part of the book and was a uh, I think, what's his name? Akiva Goldsman wrote the screenplay for that. Yeah, yes, he did, and he was, and he won a best screenplay. And he adaption. won best screenplay, and uh, and to me, it was like this: the way they did the film was such an insult to this guy's life. It, I just hated it. I I loved the book, and it was a uh, it's a really touching and fascinating story. Yeah, I don't think today that the movie would get nominated. I agree. Certainly not win. Yeah. Okay, next movie, also I didn't like. Now, I'd, I'd be willing to rewatch it another time to see if I liked it more, but it was more of like the guy was heading to the very end, like that he probably only had a few years left, and he did. And like, <laughs> so they said, oh, well, this is the last time we can nominate him. And they even talked about maybe he would get a director win, uh, which was Robert Altman, Gosford Park. Not one of my favorites. No, not one of my favorites either, but people went nuts for that movie. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they went nuts for it, but, no, but they critics did. did. I, critics did. That's who I'm talking about. Okay. It's weird. Like, like I said, it's one of those movies where my reaction was so different from the critic reaction that I feel like maybe I need to see it again. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I'm i not in any hurry to see it yeah. again. I, don't, I, I, I didn't hate it. It just didn't uh, click for me. So those two movies would not be in my top five. Yeah. All right. Here's another one that I not only didn't think it should have been nominated for Best Picture, but I don't think it was even a good movie. I actually had a lot of problems with it, and yet critics loved this film. But despite a couple of great performances in the movie, I did not like Todd Fields in the bedroom. Oh. Did you see that? I've seen it several times. You liked it. And I liked it. Didn't like it. Didn't work for me. And I still like it. Best best picture? No. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's, let's let's move on. It did not get nominated for Best Director. Yeah, I like the movie a lot, but I would not have put it in Best Picture category. Right. And like I said, it didn't get, there was two movies that year that got nominated for Best Picture. That was one that did not get nominated for Best Director. Whatever happened to that guy anyway? Well, he made Little Children, which I loved. Oh, okay. Okay, so this movie, right? This movie was surprising to me in that... It became such an event for families to go, and a lot of times older people, and it kicked off a series of me and my girlfriend every year. Around that time, the next installment would come out, and my uncle and his wife would get together with us to watch. And I was always surprised at how packed the theater was with families of all different ages coming together to watch the sensation, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Rings, Peter Jackson. Yep. It was a sensation. Absolutely. I mean, there's nothing else I can describe. It's so important to people. Now, here's, uh, I guess, the controversial part. For me, it's my least favorite of the three movies. Right. And I just, I respected the hell out of it. I respected the audacity yeah. and the craftsmanship. The just it went for it went for levels that you just didn't see in a fantasy movie. Yeah, absolutely. But for me, it's I've seen it several times. It's just not my favorite film, so I also would not have put that in my top five. Now, what do you think about the long cut of of the first Lord of the Rings? Yeah, never seen it. Oh, I mean, cut. I can barely get through. The first. <laughs> yeah. I want to see a longer cut of this. <laughs> I mean, to me, he's lost a lot of a, a lot of credibility with those uh with those hobbit, hobbit movies because they're yeah. just like everything you thought that the lord of the rings movies were going to be were those hobbit movies yes and they're they're not yeah. they're not good 
I haven't seen all of them. I watched the first one and I kind of ducked out yeah, after we'll, that. We'll talk about those another time. But essentially, right, uh, the, uh, they took the first 20 minutes of any normal movie and they made it the first Hobbit film. Yes. So then now the fifth choice was another, I know another lot of people really liked it. But it was not my, I, I didn't gush over it. I, I respected it, but I also thought it was just the second half of the movie really sags for me was Moulin Rouge. Oh, I really like Moulin Rouge. I didn't, I, my wife, she loves it. I don't disagree that, that it sags a little. I mean, I think there's sort of a Baz Luhrmann issue. Uh, <laughs> yes, where he sometimes reaches these incredible heights and then, and, and does, and, and in the same movie, we'll just have something that just doesn't work at all. I think I've liked it more over time though, because it was a pretty original movie. It's a pretty original movie and it, yeah, I like Moulin Rouge. I, I, I can see that. Yeah. I think that there's just times where it doesn't slow down and take its time. And then other times it's, it, it, it slowed down too much. <laughs> Yeah, well, I actually thought like the first 10 minutes of the movie was a total mess. Yeah, it is. And and it is. I wish there was a slightly longer cut. I think uh, some movies need to be longer, especially musicals, because the songs take up so much screen time. And and that movie is just almost too packed with songs without enough downtime in between. You can't breathe. Yeah, exactly. And it could have used, you know, maybe another 15 minutes. Um, and I also respected the costumes and the cinematography. Oh, yeah. And there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff to enjoy. But again, that's a movie where I forgive that over Gosford Park, Beautiful Mind and In the Bedroom only because it's a polarizing movie and it had yeah. its champions. Yes. It also came out at a time before 9-11, right? So you yep. have this thing that happens where out of the five nominees, the only one that came out before 9-11, before everything changed, was Moulin Rouge. Right. Now, In the Bedroom and Moulin Rouge, I mentioned, did not get nominated for Best Director. Two choices that made the cut instead, and I think that they were better choices yeah. for me. One is a movie that you hate, which is <laughs> Ridley Scott for Black Hawk Down. I hate that movie. And I, I thought it was very intense. It's maybe more of an exercise, but I really, I found it very affecting. And maybe it was because I saw that only a couple months after 9-11. And I looked at it as a parable of, we should have seen the problems coming of what our intervention has right. led us to. So I actually think it was more impactful in light of 9-11. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and I should say, I think the movie is a masterpiece of action choreography and editing and cinematography. I, I and direction. I think that's the whole point. You know, yeah, direction. direction. I, I think on a technical level, the movie is incredible. It just left me empty. It To me, it's like a big machine and it didn't have a lot of heart. Well, to me, I think that's, you can't, there's not going to be any heart in a story like that. So, well, I, not necessarily. I, I guess I wasn't uh, emotionally sucked in. I, I felt like I was watching stuff happen and not necessarily as much of a part of it. Uh, as I, I didn't get caught up in it emotionally. I, I just watched it as, like you said, it's kind of an exercise. I, I didn't have a problem with him being nominated for Best Director. For no, not at all. I would, I would totally agree with that. But now here we go. This is the movie that, thankfully, it was the only nominee that this movie got. 
was best director. This has happened to this director before, by the way. <laughs> and at least it got director because I always count that the director is really where you should probably yeah. should see the best pictures. But see, this is where this is so egregious because this film, so far ahead of all of these other movies. I know what movie you're going to say. Of course you do. It's David Lynch, Mulholland Drive. Yeah. That movie is the best film of that 10 year period. My And I just watched it again for the, I watched it again yeah. just last week. It is. It's a movie. It sneaks up on you because the first half was supposed to be a TV pilot. Right. And it does. It's clunky a little bit and weird in David Lynch ways. However, that first half combined with the second half, when you're left with this movie, yeah, it happened to me again. I'm watching this film. It tricks you because I'm like, well, okay. it's cool. By the end of that movie, damn it. I'm like, this thing is a freaking masterpiece. It's a freaking masterpiece. I remember the first time I saw it, I walked out of the theater and- everything out in the real world seemed ominous yes every you know there's a lamp in the corner and it's like that lamp is trying to speak to me uh <laughs> you know where it just it it, it it yeah made it completely changed my immediate perception of the world just you know uh, yeah i went to a, out, out to a restaurant with some friends after we saw it and i just remember yeah ha having a, it really got under my skin and affected me again you're right it is it, it's i don't know about the whole decade yet because we haven't done that but it's definitely on my top 10 for the decade and uh, is probably the best movie of 2001. For me, it's not just the best film of the decade. It's the best film of the 2000s. Really? I Maybe I had a movie I enjoyed more. I've seen more. Or just I just really, again, re-watched re, re this thing. And yeah. the biggest crime, besides it not being nominated for Best Picture, is the best, the best performance, male or female, of the entire decade, in my opinion. Best acting is Naomi Watts in that yeah. film, and she was not nominated. <laughs> and she was not nominated. It's and still it's an incredible performance, yeah. It, I watched it again. It's so stunning. And what's really fascinating is, again, this movie had a year hiatus. Yeah. And the actors, it was a job. Naomi Watts was an on-the-fringe actress, couldn't yep. make it, couldn't break in Hollywood. She went on so many auditions and never could get through. She was great friends with Nicole Kidman. They're both Australian. I didn't yeah. even know she was Australian in Mulholland Drive because I'd never seen oh, her before. Right, right, right. And even though she was actually in Tank Girl, but I didn't remember her from, from that. I don't remember her from that. She must have, again, been ready to quit because she gets a pilot and yeah. she, then it doesn't get picked up. And so she's off. And then he calls her back up and says, yeah. oh, I got this idea. But what he does with these characters, and then he films these little other moments that get inserted kind of here and there in the movie to mm -hmm. kind of help make sense of what he's going to do yeah. and the rest of it. She has to do something so different yes, as an actress, but the entire performance makes you rethink what you thought this character was. Exactly. Yeah. And out of all the movies I've ever seen that are really based kind of dreams, this is the best dream movie ever because it's the most what I feel like what dreams really are. Yes. Because <laughs> things happen and you got a storyline and a thread and all these things are going on. And then suddenly it takes weird different directions and it all kind of makes sense because it's a dream. Yeah. And I think that <laughs> it's funny you say the best dream movie. And I was trying to think, okay, what are some other great dream movies? And the one that it's not necessarily a dream movie, but it plays like a dream is uh, Eraserhead. Of course. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And Lynch has this way of sort of tapping into the subconscious and finding these 
sort of archetypal things that resonate with us on a deeper level. Well, there's a line and there's a moment in the Twin Peaks, the return series yeah. where, and I think it's David Lynch is, has a dream. His character has yeah. a dream. And he says, I am the dreamer alive in the dream. And Mulholland Drive is very like that. Yeah. You feel like you are a dreamer being alive in your own dream. Yes. And that's Naomi Watts's character. And she's inventing and reinventing a fantasy because the reality is a torn dream yes. of what Hollywood was supposed to be. So again, you know, it's just, I think of this film not getting nominated. I understand it wouldn't have been everybody's cup of tea, but it was such a, a lauded film by critics Yes, that I feel it's kind of shameful when, uh, you know, Gosford Park and Mulan, none, none of those but, movies but, is but again, close. it's it, you know we And I think we're finding this generally as we're talking about the Oscars is that there's some films that just aren't quite people don't quite get them initially even if maybe critics do but it doesn't quite and and this is one of those movies where over time and repeated viewings it just gets better and better yeah i mean it has to marinate and uh but but that's okay because i have a whole list of other movies that came out that year that were great uh and i think that have done some of some are better and worse over the years but a movie that i saw it was really a film that maybe it's because of 9-11 again i needed to pick me up a movie that made me just feel good was a film that I still love the technique. It did get nominated for a bunch of technical awards, mm-hmm. but it didn't get Best Picture, Director, or Best Actress. And uh-huh. I really feel out of all of them, the Best Actress was disappointing to me was the French film Amelie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I really I liked that movie a lot, but I haven't seen it since. I've seen it a couple times, and I just, again, it's one of those movies where time goes on, I haven't seen it. And I think, well, maybe it wasn't that good. And then I'll watch it and I'll be like, oh, what a, what a charming, great movie. <laughs> yeah. And, and the style is great, as it always is with that guy. Yeah. So uh, that's a movie that I also think it was in the conversation, didn't get uh, nominated. Another movie that I like better than The Five Choices. Uh, I haven't seen it since. I'm sure you hate it. <laughs> but it was a, <laughs> but it was a talked about. And a lot of people, I think, thought Best Picture and Director was going to happen. Um, also, another uh, for Best Actor didn't happen either, but was Memento. Wait, I I don't hate Memento. Oh, you don't? Well, I know you don't. I'm not a big fan of uh, of uh, Nolan, so I didn't know if you. <laughs> Let me explain my <laughs> my, my Nolan. Uh, well, do we want to do that today? <laughs> I, I, well, I'll just make it very quick. Okay. I think he's a far better director than he is a writer. Okay. I think he co-wrote this movie. Uh, yeah, with his brother. And he did get nominated for the screenplay for that. Yes. And I think Memento is a brilliant screenplay. And yeah, I mean, I don't, as a director, I like Christopher Nolan. I just feel like he undercuts himself often by making things too obvious in the screenplay. Okay, got it. Well, I like that. I thought it was better than all five of the movies nominated. I think I only watched it from getting to end once, though. There's another movie from that year. Okay. I have still on my list, but you- Oh, you still have your list. Well, I do, but tell me, because maybe it's one of them that I have on my list. Uh, which I feel is sort of like a foundational movie somehow because it was so successful was uh, Spirited Away. Was that 2001? Yes. I wouldn't I, I wouldn't have thought of that, but it probably, oh, did they have a best animated film then? In, back then? Uh, I don't think they did. Oh, it's right. I don't think they did then. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So there's another movie. Yeah. A movie that I thought was brilliant, 
but nobody mm-hmm. saw it. I mean, I didn't expect it would be nominated. <laughs> um, and I and out of their all their films, it's another one that I feel is still largely undiscovered. But I will still champion it. Is the Coen Brothers the man who wasn't there? I really like that movie. Yeah, I thought it was one of the best of the year. I saw it in the theater. I've seen it since. I thought it was yeah. It, it it's a lesser <laughs> it's 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 a lesser Coen Brothers movie. Like it's not. Uh, considered one of their classics necessarily. I loved it. I thought Tony Shalhoub should have been nominated for Best yeah. Supporting Actor. Um, and Deacons, again, his cinematography yes. is amazing. Yes. He was nominated, did not win. Yeah, I like that movie uh, quite a bit, actually. And I, But I haven't seen it in years and years. I I would like to give it another, uh, another go. Do you know what Deacons also shot that year? He was not nominated for that, but he did, he, but the movie was, he shot A Beautiful Mind. Oh, he did. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, it does look nice. Oh, yeah. You know what? One best cinematography that year was Lord of the Rings. That's silly. Well, you know, it's that outdoor <laughs> stuff. But yeah. So, I mean, again, Deacon's lost to Lord of the Rings. All right. Now we're going. Oh, and so other couple other movies that I thought were better than the movies nominated. Royal Tannenbaums. Uh-huh. Donnie Darko, which I actually was one of the very few people that got to see it in the theater in Cambridge. Oh, wow. Um, I, I, they, yeah, they showed it in January of 2002. It got, you know, pretty much shelled because of 9-11 and the content of Donnie Darko. Right. Um, and then another movie, which just the more I watch it, I think it's kind of a masterpiece. Mm. And it certainly was never going to get nominated for Best Picture, but a lot of critics liked it was Ghost World. Oh, I love Ghost yeah. World. Yeah, I, I really, I, I, I see, uh, you know. Thora Birch didn't get nominated for that either. But I can see sort of why that's not necessarily an Academy type movie. That's why I put these, I actually did my homework this time to create yeah. a list so we can really see that these, what the five have in common that did get nominated, they feel like Academy movies. They feel like Academy movies, exactly. And <laughs> you know. Ghost World almost has too much personality. Well, there should have been room for maybe one or two of these, and yeah. Mulholland Drive would be that one. If I had to, you know, like... <laughs> well, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, 2002. Okay. Uh, this is another year where the director was different than the Best Picture winner. Oh, interesting. Yes. Um, and this is a film which uh, the winner for Best Picture, I, I saw that in the theater. I liked it, but I also felt it was a little bit of a mimic Meaning that mm-hmm. I felt that the director, and maybe this is why he didn't get best director, he was mimicking the style of the original director of the musical, which is uh, Chicago, Rob Marshall. Oh, yeah. I think he tried very hard to make it feel like if, as if Fosse had made the movie. Right, right, right. With some of the way that Fosse's intercutting style. Right, right, right. And Interesting, huh? So I liked it for that reason, but I also felt that it wasn't as strong a work as it could have been as if Rob Marshall was able to um, think of it as his own piece. Right. Well, I, you know, it's funny. I saw that when it came out. Uh, I kind of enjoyed it, and I did not think about it again until right now. Well, there you go. That's, that is sort of the MO for Best Picture winners, right? Yeah. <laughs> you don't really think about them. Okay, so another movie that, this is my favorite film of 2002. I know that a lot of people don't like it. I don't know what their problem is, but I thought it was the best film of 2002 was Martin Scorsese's Gangs of New York. Okay. This is a movie that the first time I saw it, I really liked it. Then I went to see it again in the theater and I liked it even more. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were about to say it sucked. No, I saw saw this four or five times in the theater. It's a great movie. 
And I remember talking to a couple of people who didn't like it. And at the time, one of the people I saw it with actually didn't like it. And the reason they didn't like it is because they thought it was too over the top and operatic. And I said, well, that's exactly what I like about it. Yeah. I don't know why people don't like it. I like it. how big the performances are and how uh, sort of over-dramatized everything. I like, I like the big operatic aspect of it. That's one of my favorite Scorsese films. See, this is maybe why we have this show, why, we, why we're friends, because I don't think I know a single person other than yourself who likes that movie as much as we do. I adore that movie. I think it's fantastic. So I don't feel ashamed saying that that was my personal pick for yep. best picture of 2002. All right. Then then the next movie, and this is the bit, this is the head scratcher. <laughs> this is the head scratcher because I, I liked it. I saw it in the theater. I thought, oh, it's a pretty good movie. But, but, but uh, would I have ever, ever considered it a best picture nominee? No. But best picture nominee and best director nominee, the Daldry, Stephen Daldry for the hours. Oh, <laughs> and I don't think you like that movie. I don't just dislike that movie. <laughs> uh, I despise that oh, movie. Did you actually see the movie? I feel like you I despise did, it and you've never seen it. I saw it in the theater and <laughs> I thought it was, I, like, I thought Ed Harris was one of the worst performances I've ever seen in a movie. I don't know if it's his performance was bad, but that was an ill-conceived Something about that was all ill-conceived. I didn't like that character. Maybe it's not the performance. Maybe it's the writing. His character was terrible. The rest of it was, oh, God, that movie's awful. <laughs> Nobody should ever see that movie. Well, well, the saving grace for me is I like the Virginia Woolf, Nicole Kidman part. Yes. And I thought she was fantastic in it. Um, however, it's a supporting role. It's not, yes. she's in it for like 20 minutes. Yeah. It's like, it's ridiculous that she was a winner of best actress, because even though if she was supporting, I'd give her the award hands sure, down. Sure, sure. But <laughs> maybe she was the lead out of the, out of the three segments, but it's ridiculous. Um, no, and, and, and that her part is the best part of the movie, but uh, overall, I don't use this word very often because I hate when people <laughs> use it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, I love it. <laughs> I, this is a word I try not to use because I feel like it gets applied to a lot of movies that I like. <laughs> yes. Pretentious. It it does feel a little pretentious. Maybe the Philip Glass music, which I like, by the yeah, way. Yeah, <laughs> well, it just, it, 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 it presents itself as though it's very serious and deep and thoughtful. And it's actually not that deep. Well, guess what? Stephen Daldry will make another appearance. And, uh, and that it, it's the height of pretension in my book. I don't know what the deal is with this guy. Uh, okay. So the next film on the list, yeah. and I actually didn't have a problem with it this time being nominated for Best Picture, uh, was Lord of the Rings Two Towers, because I thought that yes. was fantastic. Yep. I like that one. Yeah. Uh, yet, ironically, he doesn't get a director nomination for the second one. <laughs> Yeah. Instead, Pedro Almodovar for Talk to Her, which I only saw in the past year, and it is fantastic. I have not seen it, I don't oh, think. Oh, it's a great movie. You really got to check that out. 
Uh, it's too bad it was on Criterion last year. Uh, they oh, did a whole. Okay. Uh, that's when I went saw like I caught up on like five Almodovar movies. Okay, and it was great. We never did it. We, uh, if you had watched them, we could have done a whole segment. But we'll have to wait till it circles back again. Yeah. So then the winner for best director that year and a nominee for best picture and probably I guess my second choice on this list yeah. of five because Gangs of New York was it was the it was very controversial now is uh, Roman Polanski for the piano. For the pianist. Which yeah. I did like. It's just, but it's a hard movie to really like say you enjoy. It's a very tough film. Right. No, you definitely. <laughs> yeah. And I just, let's not go into the Polanski conversation right now, but it's complicated and interesting. And yeah, I mean, it's bizarre. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, what are we, 18 years later? He would not get nominated for director now. Now, now his latest film, which is supposed to be a masterpiece, won't even get released. Won't even get released. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. I do know somebody uh, that I read, uh, a blogger, who has seen the movie and he oh. said it is a masterpiece. So I would like to see it, but. What's it called? Do you remember? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You know. It, it, he should have used the uh, director name. Um, what's that one? That Alan used? Smith. Yeah, he should have directed by <laughs> Alan Smith. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, again, it's it, it. That's a whole other show we could do about you know, can we watch these films and or or like, can we watch the ones before we knew what they were like? You know, right? Can you watch like Chinatown is okay because it was before Polanski raped the thirteen year old, <laughs> or you know, can you watch it afterwards? I don't know. I mean, The Pianist is still a powerful movie, so I yeah, I, I, I did like it, but I, it's not like I'm going back to watching it. Um, uh, here's some movies that at least one of them I really think should have been in there, certainly over the hours. Uh, it was Far From Heaven. Oh, I, yeah. I yeah. saw that in the theater. That That's a great movie. Have, I mean. Yeah. What? No, I'm just like, I just keep thinking about how Julianne Moore was yeah. nominated for Best Actress and should have won that year. Yes, absolutely. However, the person who didn't get nominated for Supporting Actor who was amazing in it is Dennis Quaid. Yes, yes. Dennis Quaid is amazing in it. And he was amazing in a film that we talked about when we did the the 90s, and he also wasn't nominated, was his performance of Doc Holliday in Wyatt Earp. Yes, yeah. He was amazing. He was incredible, yeah. And he didn't get nominated in that either, so. Lame. I know. So other movies <laughs> that I really liked in 2002, and they were, I would replace most of those films, uh, Punch Drunk Love. Yep, and I absolutely. also think that uh, Adam Sandler should have been nominated for Best Actor. I thought it was he my... should have been, and uh, I'm pissed off about Uncut Gems. Yeah, so which by the way is going to be on Netflix, I believe, at the end of the month. Yeah, so check it out. Another film it was not going to get nominated, but I really liked it. I thought it was one of the best films of the year. Was E to Mama Tambien? Yes, that was definitely one of the best films of the year. Uh, another movie that, if if it had been nominated. I would have been thrilled was adaptation. Yes. And you know, that that's a great Meryl Streep performance too. That so Meryl Streep, we should do a whole program on her because I have this thing where she's been nominated like twenty times in a yeah. lot for actress, supporting actress. And my thing is I feel that half to more than half of those performances shouldn't have been nominated. Right. However There's other ones that should have been. Well, no, she was nominated for adaptation, but there she should have won. She was amazing. Mm-hmm. And then another movie, again, it wasn't it wasn't my top five, but again, I, I have to say that was it better than The Hours? And did I like it more on subsequent viewings was about Schmidt. Yeah, I saw that in the theater. Yeah, with you. I, I saw that with you. Yeah, I went out to California right. and we that's saw a whole right. bunch that's of movies. Right. We saw Adaptation together. Yeah. We saw About Schmidt together. We saw Rabbit Proof Fence, which was another great one. Which is another great movie from that year. I, that I've rewatched, actually. Oh, a that's a good times. one. 
and again, if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, check out this movie, Rabbit Proof Fence. It'll infuriate you, but it's also, it's just a great movie. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's a great movie. And I think actually, I mean, it's, you said it, it will infuriate you, but I actually think it's a good family film. Oh, absolutely. I think kids should watch it. It's, it's infuriating because it's a historical um, in the stuff right. that goes on in the history. But the injustice. Uh, but it's yeah, it's a great story. And, and you know, I have a <laughs> I, I have a weak spot for a subgenre, which is essentially survival movies. Oh, that's a great survival movie. And it's a great survival movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it, you should see that uh, with a film that's somewhat related, but a little bit not as accessible as this mm-hmm. is uh, Walkabout. Yes. Yeah. That's a, that's a great double feature. Yep. Okay. We're going to be able to do two more years. Yeah. And that's it. Uh, so we're going to yep. go with them. We'll be halfway done. That's sort of our, our, our kind of our operating. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be how it, how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. So we're now into 2003. All right. Yeah. Now this is, this was not going to lose that year. It was a reward for the trilogy, Lord of the Rings, yep. Return of the King, Peter Jackson. I am the humbug guy that would not have given it the award because I just didn't think it was the best film of the year. Right, right, right. You know, I mean, I probably would, for me, it was probably in my top 10 because it was a great movie. Uh, it is a great movie. But it was not in my top five. But I just understood that it's too bad. The movie that I think was the best film of the year isn't going to actually win. Uh, my personal favorite of the year. I thought it should have been Best Picture and Best Director. It was nominated, was lost in translation by Sofia Coppola. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I also think that Bill Murray should have won Best Actor. He should have won Best Actor. Yeah, and that movie, I mean, it really caught on. A lot of people really connected with that movie. Oh, so. it was a big hit. It was, a, it was one of those things where occasionally an indie movie that should only have a very small crowd, it transcends and it catches fire. And uh, when I went to see it, it was a packed house. And yeah. Uh, I really liked it because I felt that it was a wholly original movie with a right. very distinct directorial vision. And uh, so it, it just, it had a mood and an atmosphere and it just, it caught on for me. Absolutely. Another movie, this would probably have been my second choice of mm-hmm. the year. I loved it. It's a real, maybe it's a guy's movie more. It's a super adventure and it was not a hit in the theaters at the huh. time. But I think people have come around and it's um, and it's out of all these movies, I really wished it had done better because I wanted to see more adventures. And to me, it's a crime that his performance wasn't nominated for Best Actor, uh-huh. believe it or not. Because it was uh, Russell Crowe, I think it's one of his best performances, was Master and Commander, Far Side of the World. Yeah. Peter Weir. Peter Weir. That's that's a really enjoyable movie. Him and Paul Bettany, great combination. Yes. And Paul Bettany wasn't nominated either. Yeah. Yeah, I would have loved to see more. Uh, I, I, you know, I think they were originally imagining they were going to make sequels. Well, they combined two stories, Master and yeah. Commander and Far Side of the World. They combined them into two because they probably knew they weren't going to get to do many more. It was just, I don't know, there's something about that. The spirit of adventure type movie. Yeah. The call to adventure, right? It's like, uh, it really felt very Joseph Conrad and <laughs> that they were. And it is one of the best sailing movies. Oh, yeah. I mean, you really just feel you're right in there. Yeah. The special effects are amazing because you don't know that it doesn't, it all looks real. It all looks real. Yeah. It's really, really well done. Yeah. Yeah. So I think a lot of people forget about that movie. Well, you know, it, for some reason, as much as I enjoy it, it, it is kind of forgettable. 
you know, there's no, not. No, sir. <laughs> For you, maybe not For me, me. Maybe I need I need to watch it again. I you know it's fun. Uh, my my it's funny is like several years ago when he was probably too young. Uh, I started watching with my oldest, and we never got, well, he loved it, but we never got back to it. So we really oh. have to do it because he said it to me the other day. He goes, Dad, you know that movie we never got to watch is where the guy has to operate on himself. Oh yeah, and I said, Oh yeah, Master yeah. Commander, <laughs> we, we gotta watch, watch that. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I really like that too. Uh, and I think that, so if Lost in Translation and Master Commander, I was like, if those two had won Best Picture, I'd have been fine over Lord Right, Williams. right, right. Uh, this is a movie where it annoys me it was even nominated. I don't like it. I didn't even think it was a good movie. <laughs> and for many reasons, it's set in Massachusetts, and it, it was that uh, over-Bostonized accent again. And oh, Mystic River? I, I hated that movie. I mean, it was one of those movies where critics loved it, and I didn't even like it. Yeah, I uh, had a lot of problems with that movie. <laughs> it was one of those movies where I feel like everybody is acting. We're That's gonna, my problem. We're going to do some acting. Look at this acting. We're going to choose scenery. We're going to get really overly and emotional. Sean Penn really chews the scenery in that. Sean Penn really chews the scenery, but the whole, I feel like the whole movie chews the scenery. And it bothers me. And it's like, you know, you don't have the history, so you can't predict if I think if the Academy had known he was going to do a Harvey Milk a few years later, and right. they were going to give him the award then, that they wouldn't have given him the award for Mystic River because Bill Murray lost out to that hammy yes, performance. To that horrible hammy performance. It's ridiculous. So it bothers me from the standpoint that that stood in the way of Bill Murray getting an Oscar. Yeah. Uh, so it really bothers me because I just thought it was a terrible movie. Anyways. But, but critics went nuts for I know, for and Mystic I don't, River. I was so shocked. I was, very few times I walk out and not only didn't say, well, I don't think it was as good as the critics think. I didn't even like it. Yeah, that's so it was not in my top ten that year. <laughs> and we should do a, we should do an Eastwood show at some point because and the guy still makes movies, which is fascinating to me. Which is fascinating, but yeah, I'm you know he's so all over the place. He's got some great movies and some that are just awful. Did you see the Mule? I didn't. No, see I it. didn't see the Mule. I gotta watch that. Well, maybe if we're gonna do a if we're gonna do an Eastwood program, which like put pencil that maybe like sometime in the summer, maybe yeah. I'll try to watch a few of those I haven't seen. Okay. All right. Now this is another film where. I couldn't, it's weird. I've watched this movie many times. It's so watchable, but there's just a, an ingredient missing in the movie that keeps it, in my opinion, from being great. Uh-huh. I'm surprised it was nominated for Best Picture. It did not get nominated for Best Director. And the book is amazing. And maybe that's what it is, is that, and I, I, even the documentary is better than the movie, but <laughs> uh -huh. I still like the movie, is Seabiscuit. Oh, yeah. I read the book. Yeah. And... I enjoyed the movie, but best picture. I don't know. Definitely not best picture. Yeah, but I've but I've seen it many times. Well, it's it's a crowd pleaser. It's a really enjoyable, slick Hollywood movie. Uh, I I would almost compare it to like uh, Ford versus Ferrari. It's a handsome Hollywood production that is kind of crowd pleasing and has this underdog story to it. And yeah, so the movie that got nominated instead. A Seabiscuit, and I think it's better than most of the films on this list, is Fernando Morales' City of God. That was nominated? Nominated for Best Director. And okay. I think it was the the year before, because of the way it came out, it was nominated for Best Foreign Film. But oh, a year okay. later is when it actually got released. Like, it's weird how they do that. It was some, Right, right, yeah. right. I and it see. also got nominated okay. for, like, cinematography and editing. And it's a movie that I think the stature has grown over time. I think that's true. Yeah. So anyways, I think that was a great choice. Could have been a best picture choice. 
a couple other movies that I really liked that year. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I mean, like, like I said, I, I think there's one that I thought really might have been a good choice. American Splendor. Uh, oh, Paul yes. Giamatti was not nominated. I thought that was a fantastic movie. Yep. Very unique. Uh, another. And, and also directed by Terry Zwigoff, who did uh, Ghost World. No. 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 You got that wrong. Okay. Partnered friends of theirs, uh, but no. It, oh, not. that's right. Okay. I don't remember the, the, there was two filmmakers that did that. Yes, that's right. A movie that nobody seemed to saw was kind of a bomb. I thought it was amazing. I thought I actually think it's his best film that he's directed was uh, Kevin Costner's Open Range. That is absolutely Costner's best movie. Yep. It's a movie. And I thought that, uh, I thought uh, Gene Hackman was fantastic in it. Gene Hackman is fantastic in it. Uh, no, Robert Duvall. Oh, okay. Let's go. I thought Robert Duvall was fantastic. <laughs> okay. I, I, uh, yeah, it, you're right. We, Sorry. Robert Duvall was fantastic in that movie. We doubled up on getting things wrong back He's so to back fantastic there. that I forgot it was Robert Duvall. And not Gene Hackman. It was so great that I thought he was Gene Hackman in the whole movie, and then I find out it was Robert Duvall. What a performance. <laughs> Uh, but that's a, that's a great movie. It, far and away, Costner, the best thing Costner ever directed. So we wanted you want to talk about a good western to check out. I don't think a lot of people have seen it. I don't think a lot of people have seen it. It it kind of bombed when it came out. Yeah. And uh, but it is a great western, and it's uh, yeah. I I I, th- I think it's it's got to be part of the western canon. Actually, it's uh, yeah. And so now a couple other movies. Again, these are just my personal preferences. They were never going to be nominated for best picture and but yet this movie if it had been one entire movie might have been at the time oh, kill bill kill bill i think if it was one entire movie it would have been considered maybe it would have been considered still a yeah. cartoony but i mean when's that stop the academy lately with him it, well exactly yeah i mean it's a little I, I i just think yeah if it was a whole movie i i i would have preferred to watch it as a whole movie too i was annoyed that it was in two parts well i still think that's like the ultimate flaw of, of tarantino is that and maybe you know as harvey harvey's pro you know he, yeah. he kind of forced that but uh and i understand for box office whatever but it just part two to me is not as good as part one and i would have liked to see an entire film and seen what i would have thought about it it's interesting. My wife loves part two and hates part one. That's the thing. I don't know if we, did we talk about this once on the show where I'd actually listened to a whole dissertation where a lot of women love part two because they think it's really a great uh, feminist story. Right. Part one, a little bit more action, a little bit more of the Hong Kong or samurai yeah. film. And then part two is a little bit more of like a Western. A little bit. Yeah. But also has more uh, dramatic elements, I think. And there's some great sequences, but it just, it's not balanced right for me. Right. Yeah. I, I agree. After the first movie, though, you're kind of like, what? It's stopping? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. again, uh, I think it's really, to me, uh, City of God is a movie I would have liked to have seen in there for best picture. Yeah. Uh, now, the last movie we're going to do this uh time around because we're running out short on time is 2004 and this is another one where i had some other choices that i think were better than some of the films and the film that i thought was the best film of 2004 was nominated didn't win and i think it's one of my favorite films of the decade so i'm really Uh angry it didn't win 2004 the winner was your clint eastwood for million dollar baby Mm. not a film that was talked about because it came out so late and then suddenly critics thought it was good and it kind of stole its way into the oscar race it did yeah for some reason yeah a lot of people were into that movie i mean it's a it's a fine movie, I think. It was think. good, and it did have a great performance there. Yes. Uh, but 
all the performances were good, but but was it my favorite film of the year? No. No, but it really got people emotionally in. It felt very Oscar-y, though. Like, it felt, it's, a, it's a very Oscar-y movie, yes. So I was disappointed that that won. Then here's the competition. It didn't have the greatest competition, except for the one that I thought should have won Best Picture. Uh, so The Aviator, Martin Scorsese, not my favorite Scorsese yeah. movie. It had some interesting stuff. It's fine. I don't love it. I don't. Second half of it really sags. Yes. It gets really into the whole germaphobe part, and that gets kind of boring. It spends way too much time on that. Then uh, another. This feels. This feels Harvey Weinstein all the way. I don't know why it was nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> uh, Finding Neverland. Why was that nominated for Best Picture? It has to be Harvey. I, I, I looked it up. Uh, plus, Johnny Depp had just come off of doing uh, the year before the Pirates of the Caribbean, right. a major sensation. So I guess it was his chance to be nominated for something. For <laughs> something. But man, that is not a great movie. Yeah. Well, it didn't get nominated for director. The director that year, and this is an odd choice only because I didn't think a lot of people saw the movie. I saw the film and thought it was okay. But I don't know if I saw anything that made it like best director worthy is Mike Lee's Vera Drake. Never saw it. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. You know, uh, the next movie on the list is Ray by uh, Taylor Hackford. Oh, yeah. Which is just, uh, it's a decent movie, but it's just exactly, it's like, it, well, it's it, like it, the, the platonic ideal of the Hollywood music biopic. Well, it really um, has the rubber stamp of all of the tropes that kind of kicked exactly. off the, the, from that point on. Almost every uh, music biopic followed that formula. Exactly. They even made a joke of it with basically with the Dewey Cox story was like making fun of those tropes. However, the performance is really why I think it got nominated. The performance is great. Yeah. By Jamie Foxx. He was also in another film that same year. What movie? Was was that the same year that Collateral? Yes. Collateral was a cool movie. Yes, Collateral was a very cool movie. You know, there was two performances that he got nominated for that year. One, one supporting actor and one best actor. Then the last film on the list, to me, was far and away the best film of 2004. And I love it. And I thought it was one of the best films of the decade. And it should have won Best Picture, in my opinion, was Sideways by Alexander Payne. Oh, yeah. Uh-oh. So, <laughs> Doesn't sound like somebody liked it as much as me. <laughs> I didn't like it as much as you. I don't dislike Son it. Son of a bitch. Um, I have issues with Alexander Payne and Jim Taylor. Really? I like them. Not all the time. I didn't like Nebraska that much, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I, I understand it. I respect it. It, I, it doesn't speak to me. And sometimes I just find it like. Like sideways, I found I think too dark in a way. There oh, wasn't. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I understand that's what people like about it, but it just uh, it, it. I feel like Alexander Payne kind of hates his characters. I don't believe that. I don't. I think of it as completely different. I feel that his main character. First of all, Paul Giamatti didn't get nominated for Best Actor. I think Should've. that was a crime. Yeah. I I think that he was redeemable. Um, he was awful. And I kind of liked that, yeah. just how despicable he was. And I loved the, just the levels of how he tried to be, think he was more upstanding than uh, Thomas Hayden Church, who also, right. I feel like he got nominated, but he should have won Best Supporting Actor that yeah. year. But yet he was more despicable than Thomas Hayden Church, because at least 
kind of Thomas Hayden Church's character knew he was a loser and an asshole, but <laughs> right, right, right. And Paul Giamatti, but yeah, he's, I don't know. Despicable is the right word. And sometimes I don't like watching despicable. Interesting. I, for me, the whole thing really worked. I was going through a breakup at the time. Maybe that had something to do with it, but I, I just really enjoyed that movie. I've seen it several times since. Uh, I like Alexander Payne because I feel like he is the only director who somehow channels the 70s and that his movies could have been made in the 70s. He, he feels a lot like Rafelson or something. Yep, I can see that. Yeah, so I kind of liked his style. It's a very strange style, but it's like, you know, with his movies from Election to About yeah. Schmidt to Sideways to The Descendants. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about Descendants in our next uh, installment of the Oscars. But uh, so again, that's the movie that I loved. Uh, I will offer you some other choices just because yeah. you clearly didn't like Sideways as much <laughs> as me. Uh, here's some other films. Uh, my second favorite film of the year yeah. that year was Before Sunset. Okay, yeah, and no disagreement there. Yep, and that's really rare that that a movie like Before Sunset ever gets made in the first place. Yeah. Uh, but that I would like that film more than the first movie, which I really, really liked, which was Before Sunrise. Right, yeah. And so, and that movie, uh, it's funny, we just did this thing where I think it was the millennial charged me with doing 10 movies that made an impact oh yeah 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 so i did it i'm like i hate doing those things but i did it uh, i put it on social media but i didn't give really any explanation for why right. i put the movies i did and before sunset is a film that took well I, I when i saw the film the first movie i saw it a couple months before i met my girlfriend that i had for nine right. years and I had this reaction when watching Before Sunrise that I really wanted to meet somebody special. And it would be just like kind of that romantic way right, where you, right. you meet someone on a train and you spend the day with them. Now, fast forward nine years later, we're still together. However, our relationship is teetering. Right. And right. we're not even doing a lot of the things together. We just hadn't broken up yet, right? But yeah. it just felt like something was coming. And originally when this movie, we heard about it coming out, we both wanted to see it. But we got to this point where she didn't even want to go see it with me, you know? Oh, right. And I had to go see it myself. Oh, so man. I go see this movie. When I hear the characters and their dialogue, it's all dialogue driven, right? Yeah. The stuff that Ethan Hawke's character is talking about in his relationship, you know, he's telling this this woman that he had had a relationship with nine years ago. He's telling them right. about the relationship he's in now, um, his wife and kids. And I, I heard what he was saying. But in my brain, I was I, I was finding it to myself. What was right. I could see my own future if my girlfriend and I continued, that we would have a, a kid, we'd get married, we'd have a kid, and that we would be not in love with each other, but we'd have right. this kid. We'd love the kid, but we wouldn't really love each right. other anymore. Yeah. And so when the movie was over, I had a weird effect that had never happened to me. I don't think in any movie before. I couldn't move out of my seat. I went by myself and it was just like a second run theater. And I just was watching this and my mouth was kind of open. And I, it was such a profound reaction the movie had on me that I was like, I know what I have to do. I can't be in this relationship anymore. Wow. I, and it wasn't the movie wasn't, it was a lot coming, but it was the movie that said, this is what you cannot be that character in a couple of years. Right. Otherwise, you will have this big, messy breakup and all this other stuff. You have to solve this. And two days later, we broke up. 
Oh, wow. So when I say a movie made an impact, the movie, <laughs> okay, that the is movie really... made an impact. It changed the course of my entire life. That is amazing. Wow. I, I didn't know this story. Well, I'm telling you, we didn't really talk, <laughs> not that we were against it. We just didn't really talk a lot then. Yeah. Um, so that was a movie. Then there was a couple other movies I thought were really great was The Incredibles. Yep. Pixar, Bad Education by Pedro Almodovar. I thought was really uh -huh. good. It was another movie uh, that I really liked called- Catwoman. Yeah. <laughs> Was that that year? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. No, The Dreamers, uh, which is uh, the um, the late, great uh, Bernardo Bertolucci. Yes. Um, but which is funny is it was an NC-17 movie. I went to an art there where my, my girlfriend at the time, we were still together at that point. Uh, we went to see it. And nobody was going to see that movie. However, there was a line a mile long for what was playing next door uh -huh. was The Last Temptation of, not Last Temptation of Christ. What was that other one? That uh, Mel Gibson movie, The Passion of the Christ. The Passion of the Christ, yeah. And I, I, I had seen The Passion <laughs> of the Christ like when it first opened. Um, and it was, it was in sensation. But I remember out of all the movies I've seen, the most torture porn type film I've ever seen was that movie. Yeah. And there were, and I thought it was so funny is that we're seeing this NC-17 movie and the kids couldn't see it. And people had their like seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds in lines to see the passion. Like, You're going to see this movie and watch Jesus get the crap kicked out of him. to be good Over, for you. For two hours. So and... I thought it was so funny that the dreamers, because of the sexual content, is rated NC-17. And right. the movie that I thought was way more unsuitable for children, <laughs> The Passion of the Christ, it was like a family uh, get-together. <laughs> it's a, it's a nice family film. <laughs> So anyways, um, so I like that movie. And then another film that might have been nominated for that year, and people can debate about it. Uh, I, I liked it a lot at the time, but I've never bothered to see it again because it's really an artifact now, yeah. uh, was Fahrenheit 9-11. Yep. Haven't seen it since. Yeah. Uh, the big to-do then, you know. but It was a huge to-do then. It was major to-do. Well, I mean, not, not every day does a documentary make $100 million at the box office. Well, exactly. Yeah. Now, there's one other film from 2004. Catwoman. <laughs> Catwoman. <laughs> that I don't. It, I'm not saying this should have been at the Oscars, but it's a it's a little personal favorite of mine. Oh well, yeah. Well, that's okay. Let's throw that out there, and then we'll end. Which is uh, Shane Carruth's Primer. Oh, was that 2004? Yes. Oh, I did see Primer on video, but a couple years after, and yeah. it is a cool movie. Yeah, it's a if you if you're in the subgenre of time travel movies. Oh, it's definitely one of the most unique ones. It's definitely one of the most unique ones. It actually makes sense if you break it down. The time travel actually works out. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and makes sense. It's complicated, sense. though. It's incredibly complicated, and the movie's a bit of a mind trip. But, you know, this guy made this movie for like $10,000 and stars wrote it and stars in it. And it, it, it's just, it's it's a great little tiny uh, hidden gem. Yep, that's definitely a hidden gem. Um, and uh, I think I liked it better than Finding Neverland. So it all works out. It's a lot better than Finding <laughs> Finding Neverland. Finding Neverland is not good. Yes. It's just not a good movie. Hey, well, wait till the next, the next time we do this, where we get to, we get the great, uh, we get the, we, just as a preview, 2005, we get the year of Crash winning Best Picture. So we got a lot of excitement in the next four <laughs> years, five years coming up. But we won't be doing that next week because next week, our good friend, Carrie Chalmers, is coming back. Yes. And we are going to discuss women filmmakers again. And, uh, you know, and I don't usually uh, try to, like, give a preview, but if anybody hears this episode and wants to be kind of ready for the next one that we're going to do, one of the things we're going to watch is... Uh, 
on Criterion, there's a French filmmaker, her name is Diane Curie, and yes. she did several influential films in the late 70s, early 80s, and we're going to talk at least about two of the movies. One is Entre Nous, and the other is a coming-of-age movie called Peppermint Soda, so yep. I want to check that out. There's also another film that's on Criterion that uh, we're going to watch is called I Am Not a Witch, so you can mm-hmm. check that out if you want to. And I think that we may also be talking Catherine Bigelow and also Martha Coolidge. So, you know, get ready for that next week. Sounds cool. All right. Well, this is uh, Jim and our good friend who's going to be moving to Wisconsin. (laughs) Which I know he's not really going to move. I'm not really. You're not ready for that much non-social distancing. Oh, man. All right. Well, hey, everybody. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.